Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for stage 17 of the Giro d'Italia. The big GC day. Just kidding. It is actually a day with, I think, under 500 600 meters elevation gain across 200 k's that pretty much has a negative average gradient down from the trente region uh from per pergine valsugana to caole on the coast near venice and yeah pancake flat finish although there was a highway on ramp that killed the break at the end of the stage that i can't <laughs> see on the, that highway on ramp is not on this profile and it had, it must have gone above four or five meters, and I can't see it. So this profile is an absolute lie. Uh, the last sprint stage until Rome, Benji. It, uh, yeah, it's it's one that looks so obvious to be a sprint, but then there's no sprint teams left with any riders or a lot of riders. So it wasn't necessarily going to be a sprint. Exactly, because it's also towards the end of a Grand Tour, so riders are pretty tired combined with the fact like you said that there's some teams here with four or five riders left and if you've got four or five riders good luck finding a ruler to set at the set the tempo at the front of the peloton if you want to keep a, a sprint lead out left for your sprinter and it all comes into play that way but we did have a breakaway coming into the stage a bit of a a usual sprint stage breakaway i'd say thomas champion i think the the fuga classification leader he's Is been he? in the break for the most kilometers in this race i'm pretty sure we talk about Derek G being in the break always, but Thomas Champion is in most of the breakaways, but then again, he's in the ones that don't make it. So, <laughs> Oh, some of them make it. He doesn't. <laughs> That's rude. Uh, what's the opposite well, of nominative determinism? I have no clue what that word means. So, When your name indicates something about you, so champion. Oh. <laughs> hey, Like if Derek G's name should be um Derek machine you know that would be nominative determinism we might start calling him Derek machine <laughs> um anyway who I else is in this break Thomas Champion one more word about him this is still that same man that attacked on Gump Imperatore last minute for Cofidis so I will forever yeah. call him a champion he deserves it Diego Pablo Sevilla from Aolo Cometa in the break as well Senna Leysen from Alpes in the Koenig this dude is a ex-Belgian ITT champ I think for U23 if I vaguely remember it, and Charlie Quarterman for Korotek, the British guy. His breakaway existed, but we had some other action. Matthews tried to get in the break, but Bahrain didn't like that, so they, they jumped on that and made sure that did not happen. Then Davide Gaburo, the legend himself, the myth, the man, the legend that stole the KOM points from Healy yesterday yeah. on the first climb <laughs> yes. in that duo attack by, by Bardiani. He went on to an attack behind the breakaway, and completely had a chasse-patat. So maybe if he didn't do that yesterday, he might have had the energy to make it to the breakaway. <laughs> yeah. And Bardiani, yeah, they probably were getting screamed at to make this breakaway. Anyway, got <laughs> kept on a tight leash, really tight leash, actually. Um, I thought they'd get four minutes. It didn't seem to be much above two minutes for a lot of the stage. Sprint teams being 
Movistar looking for that elusive win or even a good result for Gaviria here. Bahrain for Milan, the quickest man, but loads of corners in the final 4Ks. Yeah. No guarantee. Uh, Matthews with no Pedersen here has got a fighting chance. If they position him well, who else can sprint? And then we're like talking about Consani, Aldani, etc. Anyway, oh, and Dinese for DSM, who've already, have they won a stage of the Giro yet? Well, they have not because Lekinasun got second. They yeah, did wear the right. Rosa for quite a while. But the aspect I want to mention there is also they've been switching around between those two sprinters quite a bit to the point that Dinese hasn't necessarily had the chances that much on the flat sprints that I expected him to be. Well, Meyerhofer is the obvious pick for me for the Hillier sprints, the more yeah. versatile stages. But we continue onwards in the stage and we've got a bit of a, a wholesome moment with Marco Frigo, the dude that nearly won the stage that Denz was, won. The last stage that Denz won, Frigo, I think, was... No, well, that was not Denz. Wait a Helium second. McNuggets. Helium McNuggets. Yes, that's when... McNuggets. When, when Frigo almost caught up with them last minute, he's that man. He stood by the side of the road, drank some alcohol with some fans. So... Yeah, apparently that's fine. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, anyway, break got caught for the most part. The break took the bonus seconds. Senna Lason attacked from it. He was the strongest from the breakaway. Yep. And there was a moment with about, I would say, 12 Ks to go where I thought there is a... First of all, the last 5 Ks have a lot of corners, as I said, and road furniture. I could see Alperson moving up, and I thought, if this gets to the last four, three Ks, yeah. and they start blocking through these corners, and the gap wasn't coming down too quickly, because if you're Movistar, if you're all these sprint teams, it's a game of chicken, because Bahrain don't want to put Pascal on on the front to chase. Yep. Movistar don't want to put Cantor on the front to chase, and Jayco don't want to put, I should say correctly, who their last man is. Um, but I'm he because he did a good job, but I'm not sure if it was Campbell Stewart or Free Hepburn, maybe. Anyway, they don't want to put their last guys on the front yet. So the gap is kind of hovering, and it's the three kilometer rule which kills Senna Lason in conjunction with yep. that highway on ramp. That really blew his legs up. And then the Ben Swift Puccio combo, uh, putting Thomas in first position did for him. And then we're gonna have a sprint, Benji. And honestly, there's <laughs> There's not too many discernible features about this sprint where it's like, ah, yeah, this team took dominant control. I would say DSM probably set up the best, but very early, really early. And Cav was the opposite. Exactly. And I feel like the one aspect you have in this sprint is terrain-wise that it's got a lot of corners. And a lot of corners in the last, like, six kilometers, roughly, there were some, some bends that were, like, swifting around and... Then you also look at the GC riders where they are positioned just before the sprint because I feel like they kind of helped with the breakaway riders being caught with Senna Lace and the leftover man being caught towards the end. Because if we take a look at the three GC teams here right now, Thomas with Ineos, they were keeping Thomas at the front. Third wheel, fourth wheel in the last like five to three kilometers towards the three kilometer rule. Then... We see Jumbo Visma. Well, we don't see Jumbo Visma because they're all the way at the back of the peloton. So they've chosen to be at the back. And if I had to guess, that's partially because what is the most dangerous place to be at this point? Because at the front, there's a lot of crashes happening. In the middle, there's crashes happening. At the back, you've got the benefit where, where if you're really at the back, that you might be able to avoid all the crashes. 
and just swift through them. Almeida style. <laughs> exactly. Almeida was closer to the front this time. Yeah, though. he was. So... I mean, I think they figured out that the worst thing for Roglic to do is to try and move up in the hectic. And then that's where Roglic has come into trouble. And Avonapol also has come into trouble. Now, if you're in Thomas' position, great. Third wheel, no one around you. And he's experienced in these sort of finishes. Yeah. That's also fantastic. But yeah, fighting on the in the gutter, in the middle, trying to move up, whilst FDJ is trying to move Stewart up, whilst Jacob on the other side, whilst Aldani's there. Aldani doesn't give a fuck that you're there. I mean, you know, they're going for the sprint and you're trying yeah. to move up and take their position. So yeah, it's, or maybe Benji, they just couldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it amounts to, I, I think the Adam Yates though has its place um, and the sitting at the back. But anyway, DSM. They keep Dainese really forward, and it's actually yeah. Jayco who are sitting on their wheel just a little bit off with Matthew's fourth, fifth position. Last corner's not that close to the finish. It's not like a 200, you know, 250 meters lead him out into that corner, kick out of it and sprint. It's still a fair way to go. And Milan Benji, I don't know if he was struggling in the corners. He had mm -hmm. Pascal on in front of him, who slid in front of him. Maybe Pascal on could have moved him up earlier. But Milan lost so many positions because he was in seventh wheel and he didn't move up. He actually lost a couple of positions into the final corners. Exactly. The final corner was such a vital moment for many teams because you see, like you said, Dainese in that perfect spot. I've in the meanwhile researched that Hepburn is indeed the last man for yeah. Matthews in this stage, which was sitting in third, fourth position roughly for, uh, for Matthews. And you said it, Milan was in a position... I'll tell you how many positions he was behind the front of, well, the front of the race going after that corner. I'd say roughly he was in 15, 16, 17th position yeah. going past the last corner. And he lost like three, four positions in that, in that last corner itself, where he lost the wheel of Pascalon trying to fight for his position. And I'm like, whose fault is this? Because Pascalon is kind of they're too far already. But next to that, Milan just kind of loses the wheel himself. So, you seem to me to be struggling in the corners. Of course, people are so. fighting you, but that's also life in, in a Milan. sprint. He could literally ride, keep riding and everybody hitting him would just fly yeah. to the side of the road. <laughs> I actually don't think he likes it so much, the Argy okay. Um I think, uh, didn't the I think the straight line sprints with a big lead out is the good ones for him, but he didn't really have mm -hmm. a lead out. Now, Cavendish... It's been a. I'll do the sprint first. I'll talk about Cavendish, but he's <laughs> Luis Leon Sanchez was in front of him. Two point seven k's, two point five k's to go. He completely dies on his wheel, and their train just vanishes. Sprint done for Cavendish. Cannot recover from that position, being put into the middle of the group, like thirtieth wheel, with no one to bring you up. So, I kind of was surprised he was trying to follow anyone on his team, frankly, but. Maybe he can't do it without them either. I think he probably could do a better job just freelancing. But anyway, Dainese's left on the front too early. He stops. Big lead out then from Hepburn. Maybe even Blink could have let Hepburn's wheel go. It creates separation from their back wheel. It takes everyone by surprise because it's such a speed change. Blink then launches early and it gets and puts Dainese on a huge gap. Milan's already having to start his sprint and. Matthews nearly wins this stage. He sprints pretty much staying in the straight of the middle of the road, which gives Dainese a little bit of an easier run at his back wheel and then able to come out of his wheel. I mean, Bling 
probably could have gone to the... He, no, he safely could have gone to the barrier. There was no one there. He goes to the barrier. How's this changed things? Mm, given the how close he was at the finish? Could have, but he doesn't. Dainese gets into a slipstream. Milan started, but he kind of denies this. Like, Milan didn't really slingshot his... You know the way Jakobsen slingshot yeah. in Hungary really beautifully? Milan kind yeah. of... I felt like there were a few spots, as particularly with Dainese, he could have used as a slingshot, and he didn't. didn't he just we, stayed on the left, sprinting super upright. Didn't we say exactly the same on the stage where... Was it the one where DeMarkey and Clark were, were yeah. caught last minute when Peterson was, was sprinting in the wheel of someone and Milan did not use his draft, but instead sprinted basically next to him the entire time? And we were noting that down as a potential moment where he could have used the draft and then come out of Peterson's wheel towards the end. It feels like exactly the same thing in this state. It's like, it's like Milan, despite a strike background, despite knowing what arrow and so forth means, it feels like in this sprint, he doesn't benefit it as much. He doesn't use it as much to his benefit following the wheels and so forth. So I fully agree. But regardless of that, the amount of positions he makes up from that last corner towards the sprint is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's a big sprint, but big numbies on the power meter don't win you the bonus check. And it's Dineza who wins the photo finish. It, uh, quintessent, like they are opposite sprinters. Milan, all yeah. power, no arrow. Dainese probably on the power spectrum of World Tour sprinters I wouldn't expect to be in the top 10, 20th percentile, but very, very aerodynamic, and yep. that's what wins him this finish. Ahead of Milan, Matthews, I think they played it really well coming third. Um, also nice UCI points. Fourth, although he obviously wants another win. Bonifacio fourth, Consoni fifth. A disappointing sixth for the Gaviria. I mean, his sprint so far in the Giro, seventh, fifth, Sixth in this sprint field, that is disappointing um, because he looked much... He beat uh, Jakobsen or, or Malia or somebody earlier in the year and he looked really... He looked faster than he's shown here, that's for sure. Pascal on seventh, Kirsch eighth, uh, Oldani ninth, Ackerman tenth. KOM, nothing, nothing else. Points, Milan... I think has put Derek G away. I haven't done the yeah. maths, but he's now got a 94-point lead or 96-point lead on him in the uh, points competition. So, oh yeah, Cav Benji. I, I said I'd go back for it. Back to it. Why is Martin Lass a uh, Turkish 2.2 race winning stages? And why is Case Bol not here? And why did they not sign Rachese? I think indeed the latter is the issue. As in, I don't know if a case ball or a Martin Lars would have been able to solve this issue. It would I have think been better than have. this situation, though. If Hepburn's doing this, than, man. It would have been better than the situation, but I will say, I feel like Hebron is a different rider, though. I feel like Hebron is the kind of rider where it's kind of the Affini, the one-man mm. lead-out that keeps you forward. And Martin Lars, I'm like, prologue. he's more of a sprinty guy yeah. than, to me, he's a one-man lead-out. Now, yeah. Richese is the man that I think they fucked up with because Richese was supposed to be signed with Cavendish at whatever B &B. that French team was called again, B&B Hotels. Jesus Christ, that's far, far away in my, in my memory already. But the fact that they both fall, fell out of that project because the project died, then Cavendish got signed, and instead of Richese, they signed Case Bull. I'm like, wouldn't you have been better off signing 
maybe Kesbol and Rishese, or maybe just Rishese, because yeah, I'm like... Yeah, no, the two of them. I agree, but if you only have one, I still would have chosen Rishese. Yeah, I would have too. Because you can, you can get more out of... He's proven. Rishese and Kav together, than you can out of Paul and Cavendish together, because Dart combo is unproven, and Rishese's combo with Cavendish is proven from the past, from the quick step days was that it did Rishese ever lead out Cavendish at quick step I'm not sure actually mate even if he didn't he's he's proven as a last man and yeah. he wasn't completely washed last year either he was fine like we're not asking for peak Renshaw here you don't mate no one's got peak Renshaw this year the leader there is no lead out it's a mess <laughs> this year we saw Rishese no one San Juan second in stage yeah he was three. quick he chased Simmons <laughs> so I, I I can't wrap my head around the fact that this guy is not leading out a world tour sprinter and especially Cavendish who needs it. So anyway, regardless of that, we've spoken about Cavendish a lot. Yes, he's retiring. Yes, he's still riding the Tour de France. Yes, he's still got opportunities there. But based on this Giro, I don't have high hopes on his Tour de France stage win, to be honest. Well, yeah, him and Bowl haven't been sent to the, re the same program either. That makes little sense to me. But anyway. Uh... That was the sprint stage. Tomorrow stage, another mate, GC mate, stage. Mate, mate, oh mate. no, there's nothing else we missed. <laughs> we got to talk about Danese for at least five seconds, otherwise Danese fans, the five that exist on this planet, will be like, "You haven't spoken about Danese a lot." What do you What do you want me to say? He's leaving the ASM most likely because I feel like that relationship is fucked. But is it? I, I think it. I think it is. But looking at him as a sprinter, he's won a Giro stage two years in a row now. Yeah. But it's kind of like that, that Giro stage where there's no real top sprinter left or no top sprinter in a competitive position that Dainese ends up winning. So I'm kind of like, I don't rate the Dainese victory that high either. No offense. You Dainese, said, let's but... talk about Dainese. You're <laughs> shitting on the guy. I mean, I was just going to gloss over it. <laughs> okay. Wouldn't he be a great, shouldn't YOLO pay a good chunk of money for him? Why? He can get... He, they have yeah. a real bunch sprinter for the sprints because Albanese is not quick enough. And he can do a lot of, like, dot pro races. But he can score a lot of points. Isn't Mareshko the cheaper version of him? Nah, Mareshko OTL'd yesterday, dude. He's Did not he... the same as Dainese. Well, obviously, he would have OTL'd in the Giro, but I think Aeolo could have actually, like, won a lot of shit with Mareshko outside of the Giro, no? Maybe. But Dainese is only 25. Also, I'm overrating Mareshko at this point. Yeah, There's I definitely so. other options than Dainese that are cheaper, though. Where do you think he goes? Dainese? Dainese, yeah. Ooh. If, it, if he's leaving. Well, we know that the rumor is that Milan is joining Trek Segafredo. Yep. So he's not joining Trek Segafredo. Dainese? Ackerman might leave UAE. Is he going to Bahrain? No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I see it happening. That's the thing, like, unfortunately for him, there's a lot of sprinters out of contract who have, I think, a higher, um, more hype around them. There's Sam Bennett. There's Fabio Jakobsen. There's Sam Wellsford. That none, yeah. none of them are at the Giro. So, Olav Koy is rated higher than Dainese. So it's a tough market, actually, for him uh, to go into. Maybe 
uh, into Marche, Benji. Seems like a, if uh, Bonifacio, he's out of contract and frankly not as good right now. So maybe Intermarche seems like a good fit there. Um, but yeah, are, big win for him. Are Milan and Wellsford the next two top sprinters? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know Depends about Milan track though. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I feel like they have a lead out, but I, I feel like the lead out is now so fixed on Peterson that Peterson will should lead out Milan. Ooh, now we're he talking should. like Hushoff Farah back in the day. He should. I love that. I want to see it at the tour. <laughs> anyway, um, tomorrow's stage. From Oderso to Valdisoldo, Palafavera. It is 160Ks, so it's actually a break from what we've been having. This is what could be a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour probably stage rather than a six-hour stage. Uh, still two Category 1s and a Category 2. The beginning flat is only 25 kilometers then they do the Paso de la Crosetta which is actually the longest climb of the day and overall the most difficult it's 13 and a half k 7% almost elevation gain I should say from basically sea level and mm-hmm. yeah there's a couple of 8% 9% uh kilometers in there category 1 at the top means there's 40 km points there's then a plateau, descent, cat four, it's like three Ks, five percent, then another pretty long valley of forty Ks, and then a gradual rise of five percent warm-up climb. Then two climbs back to back, quite steep, but short. Porcella, Chibiana, 10Ks, 7.5%, and the last five of quite steep descent. Then a bonification sprint just before. Koi climb, which is five and a half Ks, nine and a half percent. Olav won't be here, but the last three Ks are quite steep, or at least there's three Ks here, which average 11 percent for another two kilometer descent, and then a pickup of 2.3 Ks, seven percent. This looks like a Vuelta stage to me, me, Benji, not a Giro stage. It kind of does, but because you just made an Olaf Koi joke, I'm going to have to just stay unresponsive for the next hour because that is just illegal and you should go to jail for 20 years. <laughs> but that being said, this parkour, I kind of like it because it's yeah. kind of something different in the Giro. I, I am wondering, though, if we take a look at the stage and we think about GC for a second, Ineos is obviously leading GC at the moment. Oh, yeah. What is the gap? I'm not talking about the gap for a second. I'm talking about the factor that I believe the break is going to win this stage. Because while GC action will happen here, in my opinion, I think the break is going to be... UAE is not going to control for because they Why don't not? have a full team. They and I think they team. want to use it effectively. They don't have a full team, though. Who has so a full I think they... team? Yumbo has a full team. Yeah, but would you rather have Yumbos or UAEs right now? I would rather have UAEs, but I wouldn't use it to chase down a breaker when I can use it to try and ride on the climbs to try and make it hard for the GC riders. Fair enough. Well, Gibbons and Ackerman, why can't they ride? Okay, Ackerman, you're right. But <laughs> Well, they, they're going to have to face uh, the, the uphill section to Pieve di Cadore in the middle of the stage. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying UAE's not... Not a bad squad right now, and they got yeah, but... uh, Ackerman and Gibbons can ride. No, I was just saying, should they ride? Obviously, Almeida can take bonus seconds if 
it comes to a sprint or something, but I would rather see them do it on the Trichime stage I than agree. on this stage. I agree. Because if they spend their entire team on Valdez Oldo, they're coming a stage, then they come to stage 19, and I can one and the Gibbons are like, oh, cramps in my legs, guys, after <laughs> stage 18, and they're going to be like, well, okay, cramps we need you to pay the... Legs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they need to pace the Paso Campolongo on stage 19. That's the first climb there, the Valparola. And then on Paso Jaui, you send the big guns and Tricroci and for Almeida. So I, I'd be focusing on tomorrow's stage to have the just a hit, do some action towards the end. But should you even do that? Of, I think you should. Is Almeida even better than Roglic on this parkour? On paper, no. And Roglic, like, he had a wobble yesterday, but he wasn't dog shit. Like, when you look at the watts difference, it's so small. So over the whole climb, Almeida was six watts better than Roglic. So that's sort of like, how did Roglic not know that he had bad legs compared to him? It's like, well, do you know at the base of a 50-minute climb, if you have six watts less? Um, <laughs> now, should Dennis have paced that hard? I don't think so. Um, and then UAE kind of let Yumbo do that and then smashed Roglic in the mouth with Vine. But tomorrow's stage, yeah. Is Yumbo willing to put Afini at the front to try and control a breakaway? Hasn't Roglic been cleaning up stages like this for years? Yeah, but... Yesterday we said the bloody same, but he wasn't at his best no, yesterday. No, but yes, I didn't know about that yesterday. It was 5,000 kilojoule day, 5,000 day. yesterday. What is, what is, that's an interesting discussion actually. Like, what is peak Roglic? Kola Los Roglic. Doesn't exist. Anymore? No. What do you mean doesn't exist? <laughs> it did exist. <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. Okay. No, it's just, because... <laughs> It's always like Pete Roglic is a thing, right? Oh, if only Pete Roglic. Just like, yeah, but he crashes four times every Grand Tour. He's crashed out of three of the last four. He's crashed four times in this Grand Tour. So <laughs> what is Pete Roglic? We've had it once in a Grand Tour in the third week or last seven stages. Well to 21 on Covadonga. Yep. We've had Pete Roglic once. Um, but I agree. Like, yeah. He should probably be with Thomas and Almeida, not with Dunbar, no matter what the Watts calculations say, even if it had been a hard stage. Um, but tomorrow is just not as good. It just can't be as hard. It's 160Ks versus 200. Yeah. The Denevelle's not the same. It's still going to be a difficult stage. But yeah, it's, the problem is, Benji, okay, you got a gap on Koi. Can you keep it? To descent, uphill. I don't know. Uh, also, the break. Be, uh... the, yeah. The people jumping in the first hour on that 13.5k climb are going to be pretty serious riders. Healy's going to go for KOM points. Pino's going to go for KOM points. Zana will be jumping. Haig, I mean, we might see Carthy now. Kamna, Butrago. We might see all Lechnerson, everyone trying to get in the break on that climb. And so that climb could be really explosive. Um, I think Zana wins the stage, to your point, okay. because Zana was... He, he was flying on Bondone. Like, he was drop Conrad, drop Haig. He might have been doing less work than them, I grant you. But then he still pulled pretty hard for Dunbar. And it wasn't a 10-second pull either. It was like a decent pull. And he yeah. looks really good. So I, I think Zana wins from the break. I think that also because he has no uh, GC relevancy. So he can, 
you know, APP might ride for time and he can profit from that if he's in the break. Ooh, I like your pick for Zana. I kind of want to go for Cepeda, though. Cepeda, because it's easier stage. Yeah, he, he should get in the break and he can get in the break on the climb. Yeah, exactly. So it's not necessary that, well, even on the flat section with the Thug Buddy, he might make it. Yeah, but... Betty has got to help him. Court, court. Possibly. So also on the steep sections toward the end, he's not the, he's, he's one of the lighter riders, so that should benefit him as well. He's not like the, I wouldn't say he's the punchiest of, lo, of like climbers, but that doesn't matter because like on a steep section, he's going to be faster than a rider that weighs 70, 75 kilos, obviously. Yeah, it's steep, um, boy. When it comes to GC though, I'm like, I'm like looking at this and I'm like, who's going to do what on this stage? Because... Like you say, there's so much fear for stage 19 and stage 20. But on the other end, there's also so much potential with Koi, because it's like three kilometers at really fucking steep. Yeah, That's like 11.5%, 19% pinches. It's seriously steep. So I do believe there's going to be someone trying, but I feel that that is going to be somewhat of the thing where an Almeida might start to try something and does what he did initially yesterday, where he started attacking, by pacing the group and then they're going to go over the top and there's going to be no actual moment again to try and get away and they're going to go on the final ramp and then we'll have a sprint between the three guys or something. And if the bonies are gone, then it's very unlikely that from a group of five, anyone really gaps anybody on a 2.5k, 7% climb after what isn't a, a brutal stage. So Ineos, I really don't see them trying. I, I think uh, yeah, I would not... I would not draw a pin, an X on the map of the steepest sections on a, on a punchy, basically a 13-minute punch, and say that's where we're going to drop Roglic and Almeida. Uh, I would wait for the war on uh, Friday, I think, if I was but them. Shouldn't, shouldn't if, their guys be getting the break? Ineos. Yeah. Swift and Pucho probably again? No, Just no, no. Case. The real Aaron's and De Plus. Uh, I don't you believe Yumbo's going to allow that, so... I mean, they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it's going to work is what I'm trying to say. But I will say, when I, when I look at this climb, I'm like, this feels like a place for Primoz to try something. And no risk, no glory on the well, end of the There's not climb. much risk. Exactly. Well, it's a very short no descent. Because <laughs> on paper, the descent favors him over Thomas yeah. and over Almeida. But is he good enough to do that at the moment? And that I don't know. I reckon if he wants to take time, I wouldn't be so confident of doing it on Trechimi after 5,000 yep. kilojoules again. <laughs> um, now, maybe he thinks if I don't lose any more time, I can just win this whole thing on the TT. And if you're Thomas Risky. and Almeida, you, you're not comfortable that Roglic is that close, are you? Like, it's not exactly... Nobody's comfortable. No, everybody's... Wants to gain more time before the TT. Um, I think unless Thomas, they've really got the calculations and they know for sure he can do X, but you never really know on a TT that's unique like that. So I think we will see G GC action. I agree that controlling the breakaway is going to be very difficult with such a long climb to start. Um, and that's why I like Zana uh, to win from the breakaway. Yeah, but are we skipping the fact that there's riders that are in the top 15 that will try and jump in the top 10 by being in the breakaway like Von Wilder or Butrago or Aurelian Parepantre? 
No, I think they will. I don't even think that helps the break. I actually think that hurts the break because then yeah. Bora start pacing, FTJ start pacing for Army Rail, or the then guy Thomas that missed it. starts pacing for Lawrence the Plus. Could be. <laughs> could be. They, um, so, yeah. Uh, I think it could be good. Uh, hopefully. But it is. I wouldn't tune in. I'd watch break formation on that climb. Go do yeah. something else with your day uh, for a couple of hours, and then I would watch from the steep part of the Cat 1. But KOM, big points tomorrow too. Two Cat 1s, two Cat 2s. Um, big points. So I'm telling you, who, if Healy is in the top three of the first climb, he wins K1. So he's right now 50 points ahead of Pino in the competition. Yeah, he's got it wrapped up. He's got it wrapped up. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's the stage tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed it. We've got three big GC days coming up. I can't wait. We've been waiting a long time for it. Uh, but yeah, hope you enjoyed today's pod and we'll see you with the recap of stage 18 tomorrow. Till then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 